Chronic illness can be an all-consuming experience. I have suffered with chronic illness for over 20 years, and there is no doubt managing a chronic condition can be a full-time job with no perks or time off. It affects every facet of your life, but you are not alone. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments and coping strategies they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. As I connect with individuals from the disabled community, I have gained a deeper understanding that the levels of disability and ability are very unique to the individual, and managing disability entails an enormous amount of patience, strength, and determination. Additionally, I learned that until you live with a disability, it is impossible to grasp the everyday decisions and challenges they face. From grooming to riding in a car, all steps have to be methodically planned out and may require assistance. They also must contend with constant stereotypes and stigmas and prejudices during their lifetime. The disabled simply wish to lead normal lives. However, in my opinion, I think they live extraordinary ones and can teach the rest of us about grace, fortitude, and courage. Today, I'm honored to introduce disabled chronic illness warrior, Larissa Martin. Larissa was born 26 weeks premature. She has cerebral palsy along with an intellectual disability and is an amputee requiring the use of a wheelchair. Larissa says although she is disabled, she does not let that define her and what she is able to accomplish. Larissa is an activist, an advocate, and an independent self-published author who has written Dear Anxiety, Letters from a Girl Who Cares, and Stories from People Who Suffer with Anxiety. She has also been published in The Mighty, Unwritten Magazine, Thought Catalog, Project Wednesday, Thrive Global, and more, and has been republished in Yahoo and MSN, just to name a few. You can learn more about Larissa Martin and her writing by going to her website, www.larissawriting.com, and of course, I'll include that in the episode description. Larissa hopes sharing her experience will help broaden perspectives on the true and complex nature of living life with a disability. Larissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so honored that you came on and I loved reading through your website. I highly recommend it, by the way. But could you share a little bit more of your story for my listeners? Absolutely. So as you mentioned in your intro, I am disabled. I have cerebral palsy. I'm a man and also I'm a full-time wheelchair user. And I have an intellectual disability. So that is pretty much my diagnosis in a nutshell. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about how you manage, you know, basic day-to-day activities? Absolutely. Well, I have aides that assist me full-time and part-time. Mm-hmm. And I also, I'm very independent, but I'm also reliant on aides because it's necessary for me to do day-to-day because I can't transfer myself. I can't, you know, basic things are hard for me sometimes. Yeah, that, that is, that's got to be hard. I know you were telling me when we met the first time, you know, that even opening a door is hard, right? Yeah, sometimes 
Also, the other day I opened a door the quickest I've ever opened a door, like five seconds. Wow, that's okay. awesome. I, I don't, I don't know if it was adrenaline or what it was, but I was, I was like, wow, I did that faster than I thought I could. But yes, doors are hard. I can't cut my food. No. I'm wor- working on cooking. I cook with assistance because nothing, I can't, with CP, it's very, I have issues. Motor skills are a problem. Cooking has been a challenge in the past, but it's something I'm working on. And I have uh, kitchen tools that are specific for me that I can use, that are easier for me to use so I can do that and become more independent. Yeah. So you find the way you can. It's I'm sure a process and an ever changing one too, as your condition changes with age and all those things. Right. And sometimes it's, it's harder to do things as you get older, mm-hmm. but you just have, it's trial and error, really. That's what it is. And finding what works. Yeah. I just don't think people grasp and I don't think you can really. I mean, until you, you know, I've said I've had a handicapped dad uh, who lost his leg uh, many, many, many years ago, and he's had to adapt, you know, how he does very simple tasks like taking out the trash and, you know, different things like that. But I don't think you recognize any of that when you don't live around it or it's not somewhere a part of your life, like all the steps that you have to take just to do the very basic needs of your life. And, you know, how much patience it takes. And also you have to be able to rely on someone, which is not easy to give up that control. And as someone who, you know, might not have to do that, to think about it, to really think about the everyday things you do, like yeah. that's a lot for a human to, to face every day you get up and it's like a, a battle you have to climb, you know, to figure it out. And I don't think most people think about that. And I also think it's very interesting, like traveling, you know, not only just car travel, but like airport travel and like the planning that must take and also the toll it must take on your body. Can you, do you, have you traveled? Like, what does that work like for you? I haven't traveled on an airplane in a long time. So my travel, when I do travel, it's mainly in a car Mm -hmm. and I have to be very methodical with how I plan things who's going with me is the where I'm going accessible is the hotel accessible and if it's not what are we going to have to do to get in a hotel Mm. I think a lot of people take for granted travel when I travel it's typically for 48 hours it's a weekend Mm -hmm. and one of my best friends at the time was like we're only going away for 48 hours okay 48 hours is big for me compared to a weekend of a week you know because I can't do that so I think oftentimes when people get up and go they go on vacation they go to Bermuda they take cruises and they can do that easily and they can do it over and over again but for people with disabilities who can't 
do that and can only go for 48 hours. It's not just 48 hours. It's a weekend away that they that they might not, not get again. And I think that's lost on a lot of people. It is. I think until people really live around it or live with it, it's it's very difficult for people to grasp. And I don't think they take the time to really think about it. And I mean, I know with a lot of cerebral palsy and also wheelchair users, you know, sitting in the same spot for a long time can be very difficult on your body. So riding in a car for a long time must be really hard on your system. Do you have to allot that in? Absolutely. You have to. I Whenever I travel, the last time I traveled somewhere was to the city. And it was for a concert that was already planned. We had already, I went with one of my best friends and I was down to the couch for like a week after that. And it was my first time really struggling and dealing with pain like this. Yeah. Because I was in the chair for a long time. And I don't think people understand and grasp that. Like, a person isn't supposed to be in a chair for 365, 24-7, but that's what you have to do sometimes. And with, I have to say this, with resting, I, I've come to the realization that it is vital you need mm. to do it because if you don't you're you're going to be messed up your yeah. body isn't going to get the rest it needs and you just you need to understand that yes you could do this at one point at a certain age and now you can't you you can't be out as much as you were mm-hmm. when you were younger because you're older and you have a disability and you you can't do what you used to do and that takes some acceptance and coming to terms with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I struggled with that. Yeah, that that's a big struggle. I think a lot of chronically ill, even if they're not disabled, get it to a point, not probably to your extent. But I know for myself, like you know, as I age, you know, unfortunately, more health issues will pop up. I mean, that's just kind of life. And especially if you have like other conditions that have comorbidities, the comorbidity just kind of rears its head and it's like, hi. And you kind of have to readjust everything again. And it's a constant battle of readjusting and adapting. Like, what are my capabilities? Can I do this? Can I not do this? And it can be really exhausting as, so I can only imagine you know, the level that you have to go through just to do, you know, certain things that most people take for granted, really, because we do. And the patience that it takes and the planning that it takes that you have to go through. And then for people, probably, I mean, I'm sure your closest friends get it and they've been around you, they know. But, you know, other people may offer like, well, why can't you just do that? Or why can't you just, you know, can you because I mean, we get that too. But it's, I mean, I get it all the time, you know, like, well, can't you just do it a little bit longer or, and I'm like, no, I have hit my wall. Like I'm coming down. And if I don't leave right now, I'm going to be in bed for three days. So, I mean, it's hard because so many people don't grasp what you deal with on the day to day, that that has to be hard too, because you just deal with a lot of people's inputs and 
you know, little comments, I'm sure. Uh, and sometimes, and sometimes you internalize those comments. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I do. And then that wall you mentioned earlier, you hit that, you don't hit that wall, but you, but you go past it. Like, oh, I can go a little more. I can go a little more. And then you, and then you're screwed. Yeah. Because you win a little more just to prove a point. Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm tough. I can do this. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I can totally do this. And then later when you're suffering, you're like, I knew better. I know I shouldn't do this. And I think you do learn over time, like to put more boundaries down, but it's still very hard because you want to participate. You want to do those things. You know, it's not like you don't want to be there. Like you wouldn't be there if you don't want to be there, but you're like, I have to set a limit for myself. And it's hard to do that. It's, it's a battle like to figure it out. And then as our body changes, that's a whole other, you know, then we got to readjust everything we just did. You know, it's like, okay, I think I've got it situated now. And then like your body's like, just kidding. <laughs> like we have a new toy for you to play with. We have another problem now. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Now you get to figure this out. I know. And you kind of mentioned before, which I, I think it's so true. You know, we've talked about how as we age our body, I mean, everyone, everyone, every single person as they age, their body starts doing things and you go to the doctor and it's like, it's because you're getting older and you're like, great, thank you. It's particularly for the disabled. I mean, those changes have to be even more difficult and I find that what you said, like rest is so important, but so overlooked sometimes by so many people because we're always in such a go-go world and everybody wants you to keep, you know, but rest is so critical. Is there anything else that like, as you've gotten older, like you're like, I have to do this. Journaling and finding a good support system. Mm. Those are hard, but yes, good. No, journaling's wonderful. And if, like I said, guys, journal entries on her website are just, they're very insightful. And I enjoyed reading through them as someone who is chronically ill. Just such an insight to things and how the world works and in general and like how you see things. I just, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. So you, you obviously support your mental health by having a good support system and, you know, and a lot of people don't have really good families sometimes, you know, that, so you have to kind of find your support system if you have to, you know, some people are very blessed and I know I am and have a wonderful family support system, but you're right. I mean, everybody needs support. It's very difficult to go through something without it. And is there anything else? you'd recommend doing to kind of help support your mental health? Meditate. YouTube is a huge resource. Finding different meditation skills that work. Also, support groups. Whatever, whatever you're going through, you're going to need support. So find a support group of people that have gone through what you've gone through and talk. Yeah. No, and I think uh, kind of leads me into my next question because so when I did group support groups, I had like a mixed bag reaction for me. I have a tendency to compare. You know, we all do to some extent. 
but I would compare my situation with someone else's situation. And if it was worse off than me, I would be like, I can't believe I'm even here and complaining. Like, what a horrible human being you are, Melissa. Like, that voice would just kick off in my head. And it took me a while to recognize that, you know, it's okay to, you know, that not to compare, that everybody has something different going on. And just because it's different than mine doesn't mean mine is any less valid. But at the same time, it is good to remind yourself, like, you're not as worse off as you thought, you know, in some ways, to a long process to not compare. And then, of course, comparing to people your age that are healthy and fine. And, you know, and I know you and I talked about social media and how that plays a role in comparing. Because how can you not? You go on social media and you see people post the pictures, the highlight reel of their life. And you see it and you're like, well, I'm the same age as this person and my life doesn't look like that. And I would like to be doing this or whatever or having these accomplishments. And it's extremely difficult to pull away from like my accomplishments are going to my accomplishments are going to look different than most people. And that's okay, (laughs) You know, that's okay. doesn't mean my life is any less valuable, but that's hard. I mean, how do you. What do you do to kind of work with that comparing, you know, role in, in your life? I struggle with this, like mm. anybody else does. People that I compare myself to that are writers have their own set, set of accomplishments that they have. And I have my own set of accomplishments. I can't compare because it's not a contest. We often make it a contest because, I don't know, it's fun. We shouldn't, but we do. It doesn't lessen your accomplishments, but it doesn't make their accomplishments more than yours. They're yeah. equal, but just at different stages in your life. That doesn't mean you can't get to that at some point. Or if you never get to that, you're You can't beat yourself up over what didn't happen. It's hard. I think I've always, like, meditation helped me, you know, as well as when I started to have those thoughts, I'd have to, like, literally stop my brain from doing it. I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, 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 we're not doing that game today. And I do think pulling away from social media sometimes is helpful or other ways that you compare. Like, whatever it is for you to kind of have a break from, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, and to have those constant reminders of like uh, where you tell yourself again and again as many times as you need, my accomplishments are going to look different and redefine what success is for you and understand that that's okay. Like maybe success for the day is taking a shower for some people. I mean, I know I've had days like that where I showered and I'm like, success, (laughs) you know? So it's... it does take time to do it, but like you, you have to do it. And then of course, having a support system that understands that. And we talked about this and this kind of random, and this wasn't on the podcast questions, but I'm kind of curious. I actually watched Crip Camp on Netflix. So we're doing like a free plug. For them. I did. I did. I did. I loved it. Thought it was so good. And I love that it was, you know, it definitely was the 70s. You could tell or like the late 60s, 70s, because they were all just, you know, hippie. And, but it was so 
it was so amazing. And it was during the era of like, you know, the Disabilities Act and all those things. I mean, it was it was really cool to to see and to speak on. And, you know, what were your thoughts on it? Like, I just, I know this is not even in the podcast, but I just brought it up because I was like, I just thought it was a really cool. I am so glad you're bringing this up. So what I thought about it was it's incredible. So much so that I've watched it 17 times with people who typically wouldn't watch something like that. So they can understand disability rights and what we have to go through and that things still have to change and like you can when I do this little experiment it's fun to see who's really interested and who's just watching it for entertainment's sake I've had meaningful conversations with people about it and then other friends they're like I'm like did you like the movie they're like it was it was okay no I thought it was fascinating and I had no idea so many people that had fought for disability rights came from that camp. Like it was amazing. And then if you thought about why it took so long to get disability rights, like, duh, I mean, hello, brain light bulb. It was hard for them to get together and actually march and be heard and all that. Cause it's not exactly easy as we've said to travel and to, to do those types of things when you're disabled, you know, in crip camp, when the, and I can't remember his name, but he was pretty incredible. He was a wheelchair user. And he said he wanted to come to the protest and that he went to New York City and he had to ride the subway. And the subway at this time did not have, you know, disability access or anything. And that he had to lug himself up the stairs and then lug his wheelchair first, then lug himself like up each step so that he could get there. And that tells you everything that, I mean, first of all, it was more than time and more than necessary to have these changes, but that, right. I mean, you just didn't go anywhere. You couldn't exactly. do it. And I love the city. I'm close to the, I'm close to the city. I'm about hours away and I love it. I do, but it's still very unaccessible. Yeah. Like if I wasn't with a friend, I couldn't do half the stuff I did. Because getting around is just not plausible for a wheelchair user. Yeah, there's still so many things that are not accessible, especially in cities, like city cities. When it should be, but it's not. Yeah, it's true. That, that is That is true. And I think that's kind of what, you know, Crip Camp does is, you know, it really does highlight first of all, like what took place, but just how far we still need to go. But I thought that it highlighted the amazingness of, of most everybody that did fight for these rights and that continue to fight for them. And also just the camp environment was fun. Like, I wish the camp was still around because I'd go. Back then, because I think it'd be cool. Yeah, back then, right? Because it looks so, yeah. yeah. I know. Just and then they did go into, you know, when they did have to go into town or they wanted to do something like that, like take them to get ice cream or whatever. You know, people would look at them and everything, but they didn't seem to care that which I loved, you know, that that there were so many in number that it was just like deal with it. That's all they could do, really. And it's funny because talking about stairs, when I get stairs, which I do, it's from the kids. 
and I'm welcome to them asking questions. You know, the more questions, the better. But I find the parents are very hesitant to have their kids go up to me and ask questions. I believe it's because the parent is uncomfortable because the parent hasn't really dealt with disability in their lives. So I think part of it is a generational thing. So they were taught, don't, don't look, don't point, don't ask questions because their parents were uncomfortable and they didn't know anything about disability. But I believe the more you know about disability, the better and quick you can tell, you can teach your kids. And there are enough resources out there now that you can. Uh, yes, there is. And sometimes, you know, with children, they're innocent. They're just asking innocent questions. As a society, we feel very uncomfortable still with disability. And also, I think the varying levels of disability, I don't think people, honestly, until this podcast, I'm not going to lie, like, I did not realize how different one disability is from the next, a different a person with the same disability. And I don't know why I didn't recognize that, because it's logical, and we're all individual. And I don't know why that didn't absorb in my brain, until I started meeting people in the community and meeting people. And I thought, knowledge I have gained on this, you know, on understanding, it's helped me so much to, to grasp it because I had a, a beautiful woman on here who doesn't, she's disabled, but she doesn't look it. And she parks handicap and people give her the dirtiest looks, even though she's got a placard. It's just, there's so many degrees of disability. It's, it's, it's just everywhere. I think, you know, I don't think I fully grasped it either. You don't look disabled, but you are. People that have anxiety, that's an invisible disability. I didn't realize that. I realized that after the fact that I was supposed. Yeah. Well, and I think this is why conversations like these are important. And, you know, advocacy is important and speaking up is important so that people can hear your voice and, and understand it better. Because I think once they understand, you know, a lot of people will get it better or more understanding of it and have a better knowledge of it because knowledge brings so much power with it. But I think that you're pretty amazing. And, you know, your writing is exceptional, by the way. I love it. I like reading it. It's very smooth and like, you know, it, it has a lot of good points. And I just, I enjoyed reading it so much. And I will keep following the journey because I can't wait to see what you do next kind of thing. Because you're working on another book, right? Yes, I am. It, it is, well, I actually haven't started it yet. I'm hoping to have it out this year. It's about grief. It's kind of like your anxiety, but grief related. I lost my brother last year to COVID. So. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. That's awful. Thank you. It was grief is so personalized and everybody grieves so differently, but but still like to hear someone else's story, they'll they'll see themselves, they'll see that, you know, and give them a little peace. Right. The weird thing about grief is, well, for me, so I lost my sibling and my mom lost her son. So granted the the relationship is different and the loss is different for different reasons. 
but I still went through what my mom went through. There's no, there's no death order. There's no, you know, you can't, you can't measure something like that. And you can't expect everybody's experience to be the same, especially with that. So when people ask how I am, I'm honest, but they often go to my mom. Oh, how's your mom doing? How, like, I went through the same thing. It's no, I mean, it's different because she lost a child, but I went through the same thing. So I think people in general are uncomfortable with grief and they automatically go to the parent in the situation when there are other people involved in this scenario siblings who who were supposed to be with you for years and they're not and it's unfortunate and I often think people don't think about that they think about the parents first which is understandable and it's reasonable but at the same time like look at the whole picture not just the part that you're comfortable with you're comfortable with comforting. Wow, that's, that is a powerful statement right there. I'm not gonna lie. On so many different levels, not just with grief, but with disability and in life in general, to step back and look at the broader picture, the bigger picture. And we all have a tendency to do that. And honestly, I don't know what I would have said. Like I probably would have said the same thing. And you're so right on that level because your loss is just as important and it's you're right it's different in certain respects and all those things but that doesn't mean that you're not feeling tremendous grief and i don't think people think about that you know they just go to those go to and honestly you know grief and disability all these things wrapped into one make people uncomfortable and they don't like being uncomfortable we need to Start being more uncomfortable with the conversations mm-hmm. that we need to have because otherwise if we're not we're not learning we're not growing we're not communicating what we need to yes sometimes that so, uncomfortable spot is what we need to grow the people are scared to go in in the uncomfortable zone and they don't so they stay stuck in a certain mindset when it's that detrimental to their growth as a person and relationships that they may want to build. And I think not understanding, not grasping is an opportunity so you can learn. I I want everyone to be kinder to people, not just people with disabilities, just people in general, because you don't know what people are going through. Until you understand, you can't judge, you can't make assumptions. I would say that as a society, we need to learn that understanding a person isn't judging them. It's learning who they are as a person and what they're capable of and 
just grasping that they have a disability and they can't do certain things, but it's okay. And just being okay with not knowing. And if you can't, if your friend can't travel for whatever reason, don't harp on them for not being able to. Meet them where they are. Give them resources where they can. And if they can't, make accommodations so maybe you can go see them or just be kinder and be more considerate of people with disabilities because I honestly think we're not. And I can say that as part of the disability community, disability community, there's a lot of, well, you don't look disabled enough. When you are disabled, but people don't see that when they see the chair. Oh, you're disabled. Well, I have anxiety and our condition. I'm still, I'm still disabled. I don't look it, but I'm still disabled. So just be cognizant of people around you and be patient and understanding. And it's okay not to know everything. No one knows everything. That's part of the process of learning and growing as a person. I think we have a lot to learn. And listening today was a big step for, I think, a lot of people that are going to listen to this and, and get a lot out of it. That was amazing, Larissa. Thank you so much. Thank for you. It was awesome. And if you want to learn more about Larissa Martin and her writing, you can go again to her website. It's www. Larissa, L-A-R-I-S-S-A, writing.com. And I'll include it in the episode so you don't have to remember because <laughs> I know sometimes I'm like, wait, I can't write it down fast enough. So, but this was an important conversation. Great to get things started. And this is a side plug. If you haven't seen Crip Camp, you know, we both are kind of on this Crip Camp thing right now. So listen, watch it. If you want to know more, watch it. So I would highly recommend it. She recommended it to me. And I was like, I have Netflix. Now, how much longer I have Netflix, you know, we'll see. But the password sharing and all that. Anyway, but that was amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in today. And remember, you are not alone and you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or to learn more about the show or how to become a guest, simply visit our website at www.iamnotmypainpodcast.org. That is iamnotmypainpodcast.org. Your story matters. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, 
We wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.